when you see that there's a, a new takeover or a new site in that contract must be filled or fulfilled from an obligation perspective, that's an opportunity to make more money. And so that's what we've seen. So we've seen sites in Illinois that have been on the news that they're paying people $500 an hour, you know, anesthesiologists $500 an hour ongoing. We're talking 15, 20, 20 physicians working at $500 an hour for six, seven months just to ensure that that facility is stabbed and that the surgical backlog is being you know, handled effectively. Hey, it's Justin Harvey. Thanks for tuning in to the Anesthesia and Pain Management Success Podcast. With APM Success, we take a close look at important topics pertaining to business, practice management, personal finance, and careers for anesthesiologists and pain management physicians. We work hard to take your critical questions straight to the experts. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to episode 140 of APM Success. I'm really pleased to be joined by a now friend of the show, Kyle Hadley. Kyle is the VP of Anesthesia at locumtenants.com, which is one of the largest physician placement organizations in the country, if not the largest. Kyle, you can straighten me out on that one. We've also heard from Kyle in episodes 17 and 63 in the past. He's been really, really helpful in giving us context for the anesthesia job market, what the locums market is like, and helping to us, helping to explain a lot of the trends and things that we've seen both before and during COVID. So Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Justin. Glad to be here. For starters, you know, for anybody who, <laughs> and just in case there's somebody out there who hasn't listened to all 140 plus podcasts, which maybe there's a few, maybe just take a minute and describe a little bit about what you do at Locum Tenants. Yeah. So I'm the vice president of anesthesia at locumtenants.com. I oversee the day-to-day operations and strategy uh, that we put in place here. We work with clinicians and clients, so healthcare facilities all throughout the United States, working to place anesthesiologists in positions, both permanently and as locums. So right now, things are obviously, well, let me not put words in your mouth. What are you seeing right now in the job market with anesthesia? It shouldn't be a surprise to any of your viewers or your, or your listeners that the market is is booming right now. The demand is bursting at the seams and we it's difficult to find the supply. So Rand Corporation study a few years back did an article where they talked about uh, the shortage that was coming up. And they were saying by this time, we would have about 4,000 doctors that were, were short. And it actually appears that we're, we're already ahead of that trend. We have over 400 placements right now that we're looking to fill and that's throughout 46 different states. So the market is is very, very hot. So for anybody listening, we're going to link to the study that Kyle just referenced, as well as some of the content we discussed in today's show at on the show notes, apmsuccess.com slash 140. You can find all that good stuff there. You know, you mentioned, uh, obviously, demand for anesthesia services is at an all-time high. And this is one of the themes we've talked about on the show is the supply constraint. Meaning, if we talk simple economics, if something gets really, really, really expensive, then more and more people are incentivized to produce it. So you make more money and then the cost comes down. If we think about oil, for example, a commodity, if oil is trading at $200 a barrel, you know, rather than the 100, uh, 60 to 80, historically, what we've seen in recent years, everyone wants to produce oil because you can make a ton of money on it because it's really, really valuable. The funny thing about physician services is it's getting more and more expensive, we're, but we're supply constrained. It's not like we can just dump a bunch of anesthesiologists onto the market or CRNAs or AAs onto the market and 
meet all the demand because it as we've talked about, it takes years and years, many years to make an anesthesiologist. And CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, caps the number of doctors that can go through residencies in any given year. So what you're describing is, you know, you even studied a study from a few years ago. This is a trend that's been in the making. And in the last couple of years, it's just been even more exacerbated by what we've seen with the staffing issues related to COVID. So talk about what you've seen in the last year or two. Yeah. So, I mean, you made a good point there. So we have residency constraints and input constraints. So you're not getting enough physicians through the market. A lot of the studies and projections failed to, to consider are the impacts of the migration from traditional inpatient venues to outpatient venues. Like, so each productivity at, at or the locations are, are less and less productive, uh, meaning that more locations have to be staffed. So this is happening primarily due to favorable mix of the ASCs, like when you look at the payers. And then now we're also seeing a new generation that appears to be more mobile, right? So they're flexible, they're moving locations, they have a different lifestyle and their income expectations are different. So you may have someone that wants to work one week on, one week off and make $300,000 rather than trying to capitalize on $600,000 working, you know, 52 weeks a year. And then another thing that nobody could have predicted, not you, myself, or, or any of the, the researchers are, was the impact of COVID. So the burnout and the amount of people that it pushed to retirement was unprecedented. So we saw a lot of that. And some of that retirement was due to people you know, being finished, not wanting to do intubations or, or to work in the ICUs. But it also happened because groups were being impacted financially and they were forced to, to shut down their sites or they were they lost a contract to a management company. So people say, hey, I'm done. I'm not going to play this game anymore and I'm just going to retire. So th that's creating supply issues. You bring up a few good points and I want to zoom in on each of them in turn. What insurance companies think about all this how sites of service have been expanding and then COVID impact. And we can look at more closely at that. One, I think, important thing to realize as it relates to insurance is that insurers, all things being equal, if, you, if you're an insurer and you can pay to have something done at a hospital or pay to have that same thing done at a surgery center, you're almost always saving money as an insurer paying that surgery center because of the way that the reimbursement works and the what's called the site of service differential. Basically, Surgery centers get a, a a lesser facility fee payment because surgery, and this gets deep into like healthcare lobbying and the reasons why this is, which is beyond the scope of this discussion. But the point is surgery centers, insurers like them. Insurers own many of them and they're owning more and more every day. They like to try to push as much case volume there as possible because it limits the amount that they, you know, from a strictly financial standpoint, they just have to pay less to get what they view as the same outcome, assuming that it is the same. But what that means is there's more and more, you know, it's not like hospitals are closing left and right. There are a few, there are a few that are closing, but surgery centers are <laughs> springing up all over the place, especially in states without the CON, the certificate of need requirement. So there are some states where there's really no, very little regulatory constraint relatively. Like you don't need to prove that there's a need for a surgery center to open a new one. So every time you open a surgery center, there's another few ORs that now need someone to run the anesthesia in them. So this is a, a big tailwind that's hundreds of surgery centers a year, I think, that are being opened right now. And there's just not enough, there's, a, there's more and more ORs and not enough people to be in them, which is exactly what you're saying. Can you talk a little bit about, Kyle, do you see 
you know, as you think about the sites of service that you're staffing, hospitals or, you know, sort of bigger facilities or surgery centers, or do you do both? Or are you seeing an expansion in one versus the other of those in terms of locums need? We, we definitely do both. So our clients primarily are the surgery centers, private groups, management companies, hospitals, health systems. So working with the facilities primarily, um, and then the groups that support them. But we typically have a higher need uh, of service when we're hiring specifically with management companies, groups, hospitals, and health systems. A lot of times ASCs are covered by either smaller groups or people that are working directly with the ASCs. And they, a lot of times they'll have their own, their own contracts directly with those facilities. If it's a surgery center that's supported by a hospital or health system, we will, we will typically support those. Talk a little bit more about COVID and what you've seen with facilities trying to deal with the, the staffing issues that have come with it. And, you know, there was the, the vaccine mandate in some states. I, I, I can't remember if that was like, I know it was in the courts for a while, kind of bouncing around at healthcare facilities. I know that I, I personally know some people that elected to not get vaccinated and lost their job. And I know, I, I, I don't know at the physician level, sort of how impactful that was, but Talk about the impact that, you know, institutions trying to deal with all the COVID fallout and what you've seen in the last few months. So there's been a, I mean, honestly, there's been so many impacts. It's hard to even measure them all and discuss them all, but I'll do my best. Initially, the impact, I think we all know it, right? We shut down. So everyone I mean, stopped doing surgery, pushed elective surgeries to the side. Anesthesiologists and CRNAs were either not compensated, not compensated. They were furloughed in many cases. And then we saw about six months later, five to six months later, things started to get back to normal. Normal was new though. So what we saw was a lot of turnover with groups. So we saw a lot of state or, or local groups that were regional lose their contracts to national groups because they, they couldn't afford the impact that they had taken during that five or six month hiatus we saw some management companies lose their contracts due to the impacts financially. So we saw a lot of turnover. Well, what that did was it drove a lot of demand. So whenever you have a new group come in, as I said earlier, a lot of times when people leave or you shut down a group, you have people retire, you have people leave, you have people move. It forced a lot of people to think about what they want to do with the rest of their lives. So you had a lot of people move. So what that did was it actually continued to drive demand even further and further. Specifically um, with uh, locums, you're saying. Specifically with locums, because they needed to supplement that coverage. Hospitals need to supplement that coverage. Because what you had on the other side was you had patients sitting there that had not been seen. So you had this pent-up demand and backlog of surgical cases, which they think will work through this year. We might be able to get through it this year. But by the time we finish that, the demand will still be so high, assuming things hold constant. But yeah, so they, we saw a drastic uptick in a desire for, for hiring locums to come in. We're still seeing it. The, the trend is still moving up. So let's walk through the mechanics of this for a minute, just so listeners understand. You know, if there's a group, say they've got a, a contract, they're doing a hospital, ORs, maybe ICU coverage, and maybe a surgery center. And that's their contract to, to provide those services. And then through a bunch of financial difficulty, through staff turnover at that anesthesia group, whatever, the hospital's not happy anymore. They put out an RFP, another bigger group, or just a different group wins this contract and now is on the hook, is, is obligated contractually to provide these anesthesia services. If you have 
a decent sized hospital and a surgery center or two, you can't just snap your fingers and find 50 anesthesiologists to start doing anesthesia. It's a significant logistical undertaking to find all those people. And so they probably have some folks parachute in, you know, maybe they're in Cleveland and they fly them out to like wherever the new site is in like Arkansas for a week at a time. And there's a rotation, like trying to have an all hands on deck period while there's while they're staffing up. So they're hiring full-time physicians at a new site of service, but that takes time. I mean, everybody who's listening, who's been credentialed knows how long that takes. And so there's a lot of lead time. And so one of the ways that these companies who win these contracts fill this gap is with locums, right? Is that kind of how things unfold, Kyle? That's right. So they'll, they will call us in to do the heavy lifting. And one thing I think it's important to, to point out is for your listeners, that's kind of the point of opportunity, right? So when you see that there's a, a new takeover or a new site in that contract must be filled or fulfilled from an obligation perspective, that's an opportunity to make more money. And so that's what we've seen. So we've seen sites in Illinois that have been on the news that they're paying people $500 an hour, you know, anesthesiologists $500 an hour ongoing. We're talking 15, 20, 20 physicians working at $500 an hour for six, seven months, just to ensure that that facility stabbed and that the surgical backlog is being you know, handled effectively. So one of the dynamics that you've been seeing that you mentioned before we hit record here that I'm interested in hearing more about is a, tr- a growing trend, a certain part of the physician cohort that is like thinking differently about what they want their careers to look like and using locums as a way to manifest that. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we talked about it briefly, but there's a new generation, right? That appears to be more mobile. They're flexible. They're willing to get out and move around to meet their their income expectations. It's not that they look at their their job as an opportunity to live, not just to live for their job. So actually the anesthesia market and, and this demand and supply has fueled this fire, right? It's a great opportunity for people. We're seeing compensations up 35% from 2020. So we're seeing people work one to two weeks a month and they're making $280,000, $300,000 a year. They're happy doing that rather than seeking out that $600,000 salary. And is this something you think is like, because it's COVID, everyone's burned out and people are stressed that this is like flash in the pan or is this something you think may be here to stay? I believe it's here to stay. There's a lot of research and studies on the new generation stating that how important work-life balance is to them. And your listeners probably know better than myself, but a lot of the physicians that have been in the business for a long time have probably worked 70, 80 hour weeks, pulled in house call shifts and worked the next day. No post-call day off. Post-call day off is not even a question anymore. It's a, it's a given. You are getting off the next day. But there's doctors who used to pull shifts back to back to back. And we're just not seeing that anymore. We're, we, we weren't seeing it even in 2018, 2019, when the demand started to tick up. We didn't see a, a market for it on the clinician side. So really the clinicians have said, we're drawing a line in the sand here. We're not doing this anymore. And the facilities understand and are complying with it. Any other interesting opportunities or things you've seen with any of your either clients or physicians or anything else going on out there that you think would provide more helpful context for physicians who are interested in locums work? So the reality is there's a locum position for any physician that's interested it's not, locums is not, hey, I want to work full time at a new site that has a takeover. 
it could be helping a site down the road uh, that you could drive to just to help for a weekend call or to pick up shifts here and there. It could be wanting to see your grandmother in New York, but you live in Florida. So we help you get a New York license and you go up there and work for the summer. There's so many opportunities right now. And as I said, we're seeing more and more jobs come up throughout the country, places that are very, very desirable that we've never had jobs at. Or, I mean, Miami, Florida, for instance, who would have ever thought you would need a locums in Miami, Florida? Uh, but we have, we have tons of opportunities down in South Florida, the Midwest, the West Coast, Northwest, anything that anyone's looking for. And we have jobs that are you know, anything from a few days a week to call. So I think it's important for them just to know that it's an opportunity for everyone. If you take off your sort of in the trenches hat for a minute and you put on your 35,000 foot view hat and you look at, you know, companies having trouble filling spots in Miami, Florida, where perhaps there's never been vacancies because that's the place everyone's tripping over themselves to go, you know, work for a period of time. What does that what does that say to you? Does that make you concerned at all about where we're headed? Me concerned for, for our, I mean, if I'm talking about locum tens, I come, obviously it's a different picture, but yeah, if, I mean, if you're looking from a, a 35,000 foot view, there, there's some concerns. I think there's going to be some changes that need to be made. Uh, you brought up uh, CMS at the beginning and residency caps. That's going to have to be looked at. There's been talks about universal licensing and credentialing that that might need a little bit more attention than it's getting currently. but the demand is going to keep growing. So the supply has to increase. I know there's a lot of push from CRNAs for, for the ability to work independently. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see the impact that it has on demand overall. But I believe the demand's here to stay. The supply is what's going to need to be impacted. The only thing I was talking to someone yesterday, but I, I mean, I think that market conditions. So if we see Obviously, we're dealing with Ukraine and Russia right now. If that has economic implications, it could impact demand overall. But I don't think that it will be significant enough to slow down the demand tug of war that we have with the current supply to really impact compensation and overall surgical volume. Yeah, it's the thing about surgery is, you know, people need them when they need them. And even elective in air quotes, there's been so much like elective surgeries put off in the last few years. I've I've been reading just about the unintended consequences of no cancer screenings happening in the last couple of years and just what that means in terms of, you know, just it's like whack-a-mole right now with just the issues that are stemming from a, a COVID reality that the last two years has been steeped in. Yeah, we thought, I mean, I thought that this great resignation may even impact surgical volume. I thought more people being uninsured may actually lead to less surgery but through the first two months of the year, we're not seeing that. So I think it's here to stay. Any other observations or parting words of wisdom for physicians interested in locums? It's a great opportunity right now for, for everyone. And I, I said that earlier, but anesthesiology, the demand of anesthesiologists is growing. The supply is what it is currently, and it's not growing at the same pace. So every one of your listeners is positioned very well for the future. And I think they've got a huge opportunity to take advantage of. And we look forward to helping them if we have the opportunity. So again, anybody listening, apmsuccess.com slash 140 can have access to Kyle's contact info and a little bit of extra details about today's discussion. Kyle Hadley, locumtenants.com. Thank you very much for joining us today and lending your perspective to APM Success. Thanks, Justin. 
If you liked what you heard this week, head on over to apmsuccess.com, where you can find more content and free resources to help you build a successful career in anesthesia and pain management. If you wanted to leave a review in iTunes, I'd also really appreciate it. Thanks for using some of your valuable time to join me today on APM Success.